no one's ever talked to me like that. I didn't know people were really like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's when I might cry about this, but... Hello, listeners. So I have a question for you. Do you miss your grandparents or are you lucky enough to still have your grandparents? Now, for those of you that have been following me for a while, you'll know that a lot of inspiration for the videos that I make came from my grandpa. And if you were lucky enough to have nice, kind, warm grandparents, then you'll know what it feels like to miss the time you spent with them as a child. The smells, the sounds of the house, that ticking clock, that noisy radiator, sitting on the countertop in the kitchen, licking the wooden spoon whilst Nana baked a cake. And I think if we could we'd escape back to that moment, even just for a day. Well, today I am doing just that because I'm speaking to the internet's very own Nana, known to you as Chubby Vintage Nana, known to me as my good friend, Diane. Diane, welcome. Yay! (laughs) This has been a long time coming, girl. (laughs) It has, it has. I am so... so fun. It's going to be great because, as you said, uh, offline, if there's one thing you and I can do, it's chat. And we're (laughs) going to have a good old chat today because I'm really, I'm fascinated by you. And I also think you're bloody wonderful. So I just, I just want to learn. I do. I honestly, your content, when I found you, I instantly knew I'd found a friend. Um, And you didn't even know me then, but that's the beauty of social media. You kind of feel Mm -hmm. like you know the person on that screen. I felt like Mm -hmm. I knew you. And then when we did start connecting, I was like, oh, my goodness, now we're going to have to be friends. So Mm -hmm. apologies for that. Well, I (laughs) Um, feel all those things you said, I feel the same way about me. So it's going two ways. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And and like we were saying earlier, if only we lived closer and you could have come and done this in person or vice versa with a Mm -hmm. cup of tea, wouldn't that have been lovely? Yes. But who knows what the future may hold? Maybe just for a day we can oh, meet in person and have a good lovely. old chimney. I would love it. I would absolutely love that. I wore my very best um uh, sort of vintage grandma core cardigan oh, for you today. I like it. I like it. The little popcorn stitch on the shoulders. It's yes. Very, pretty. very, very. This is very And it's warm as well. And oh, my yeah. house is cold today, so yeah. this is needed. Yeah. <laughs> and did you say it's snowing where you are? Yes, it is. We had a big blizzard. And it wasn't supposed to snow today, but it is still snowing. So that might affect my internet. We'll see. We'll be fine. I'm sure we'll be fine. Well, thank you so much for doing this. As I said, um, getting to know you has been a genuine delight. And I hope to do it more in, in this podcast. And I want the people who watch you to get to know you because, you know, you, you make such wonderful, comforting, nostalgic videos. And they do so much for people and people's mental health. So... I want to dive right in and start with the thing that you personify the best, the vintage. So how long have you been living and dressing vintage and where did that start for you? Oh, gosh. I, you know, it's hard to say like a specific date that I started. It wasn't like, you know what, I want to do this and then I went full bore into it. I think, um, you know, even before I understood or even before people used the term vintage as a child... I was always drawn to things from the 30s and 40s. And at that time, I didn't really even understand, oh, this is from a different time period. I just was absolutely drawn to it. And like um, my dad had a book 
that he got when he was three years old. And it was, I loved, it was called A Doll for Mitsu. And it was about a friendship between uh, a, uh, a Japanese girl and an English girl. And it was made in 1933. And I loved that book. And it was so precious. And so, um, you know, as time went on, and like when I was a teen and a young adult and was getting things to like furnish my apartment and that stuff, I would go to like rummage sales. And back then, of course, this was in the 70s, right? And so things from the 40s were considered like just like really outdated and tacky and just <laughs> ugly, just so ugly. So I would go to these rummage sales and there'd be these beautifully embroidered pieces and these gorgeous sets of linens and everything else that they just couldn't give away practically. And so <laughs> at the end of the rummage sale, they'd have a thing where you could stuff a bag for a dollar. And that's how I, that's how I got a lot of my stuff. And wow. uh, yeah, and and a lot of things people say, oh, that's so expensive. It would you must spend a fortune on all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I bought it for probably probably cost me five cents back in the day. You know? Yeah, because nobody else wanted it. Right, exactly. <laughs> nobody wanted it, and nobody saw the value of it. And and we're the same way now. You know that things yeah. are dated, and we just don't we don't see the beauty in them until enough time has passed, right? Absolutely. I often say my my nana, she's not nostalgic at all for um the 40s or 50s. Not a bit. She's very much like as soon as something looks a little bit dated, that's it. She wants to redecorate. She's obsessed. She's a bit addicted, actually. Um, So I don't know where I think it was. It's all my grandpa. I think that's where I got this kind of homebody streak. Right, um, right. He was, he was big on comfort and things that he enjoyed and he introduced it to me. But my nan, like you said, she'd have been in the camp of, oh, no, that's outdated. Yeah. We don't want that. <laughs> Well, I and what about the things yeah. like from the seventies, seventies and eighties? Mm. I, you know, like I, I, I appreciate that other people see the beauty in them, but for me, I, they are, I just no, and that's when I was a teenager, so. I, I agree. I mean, obviously, I didn't see the 40s. I didn't see the 70s. I didn't see the 80s. But I, I, I've I just spoken to somebody uh, today who's who's got a huge appreciation for the for the late 70s, early 80s um, decor. I don't get it myself. Like you, it's just not quite vintage enough, really. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and I just, you know, I just don't really, it just doesn't do it for me. And and another thing that really, you know, drew me in for the vintage is, is of course, the fashion. I mean, you always look impeccable and your beautiful dresses and the way you do your hair. What about dressing vintage? Have you always done that since you were a teenager? No, I have not. I've always loved vintage things and I would buy them and I would kind of incorporate them them into my modern dress, like my, maybe wear like a um, a vintage cardigan over, you know, like my hippie jeans or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But um, you know what really did it for me, Hannah, was the pandemic, okay? When the pandemic started, and, uh, you know, I obviously would never wish the pandemic ever, you know, but it there was a process at the beginning of the pandemic that was very freeing for me because I realized that there were a lot of things. If I could live my life the way I truly wanted to, you always think that, well, all of a sudden mm -hmm. I could. And so I started, you know, I was home all day. Nobody was going to come. I didn't have to dress for a single other soul. It was just me and Milan. And um, 
So I started dressing full vintage every day. And so, and so it was funny because before I would dress vintage to go out and I would feel very costumey, right? I would feel very mm. self-conscious, like this kind of feels like a costume. But after, you know, after I dressed full vintage at home for months and months and months, when it finally came time where I could go out again, it felt costumey to wear modern clothes. And it felt very much like myself to continue wearing vintage. So... Absolutely. And, you know, you make a, such a good point. And I've spoken about this in this podcast about those very formative pandemic years, mm-hmm. because, yes, you know, we, no, nobody wants to see that right. kind of Obviously, yeah. terror yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the world paused, mm-hmm. a lot of people had a moment, a breather to concentrate on their domestic aesthetics because everybody was at home Mm -hmm. we weren't going anywhere Mm -hmm. so you could actually have a look around and go actually what makes me happy what feeds my soul and there was a lot of discovery in the pandemic years and Mm -hmm. that's why I started this podcast because I noticed a lot of people were rejecting modern Mm -hmm. they were turning back the clock and they were living vintage because they were they wanted um they wanted to live in a simpler time, a less mm-hmm. complicated, a less terrifying time with maybe simpler standards. Now, of course, the 40s was not that. Mm-hmm. The 40s were terrifying mm-hmm. all on its own. I think, but I'm sorry, go ahead. Go on. I, no, go I, on. Yeah. I remember my mother saying, of course, and she did live through the 40s. She said the mm. beginning of the pandemic in those first maybe year, she said was the, almost the exact same feeling as back in the 40s. It was, wow. you know, there was this threat from outwards and, you know, and, and there was like, you know, the joining together, like everybody making masks and all this other kind of stuff that a lot of that mm-hmm. was very, it told it to her was the same feeling. So, and I, and I have that, I kind of, you know, like we look back on the forties and we're like, we love the fashion and the clothing and the yes. aesthetic and everything like that. And I've had some people be like, you know, that was a war. People died. People lived in hardship. Why are you glorifying it? And I'm not like, I'm not glorifying it. That back then, one of the things that we all admire the most about those people was living through such a horrifying time and finding joy and, 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 and personal style, caring about their personal style in the midst of all of that. Right. So absolutely. I I couldn't nod more enthusiastically with what you're saying, because I've been at the receiving end of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I made an entire video about the comments I get um, where people are like, oh, so do you want to get bombed then? Oh, so do you have rickets then? Oh, do you pee outside then? And it's like, I don't I don't um, I don't hearken back to the trauma Mm -hmm. of the 40s. What I admire is people's camaraderie, Mm -hmm. their make do and mend attitude, Mm -hmm. the fact that they, they, the the gratefulness that they had Mm -hmm. for what they had. Mm -hmm. And like you said, even though they were going through such a, a, a traumatic time to be able to put on that, that sort of brave face and Mm -hmm. and dress the way that they gave them. Yeah, you know it absolutely, absolutely. That kind mm-hmm. of that that kind of uh, you know, in the face of danger, mm-hmm. just kind of giving it a bit of a, you know what I mean. Yep, and I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, love that, that about too. the forties. That is, yeah. I even um, there's even a cookbook which I don't own. I would love to own it, but uh, it's oh my gosh, um, it's a cookbook from the from the 1940s, and it was a ration era cookbook, and it was about dealing with 
cooking within the constructs of ration, which of course our mm. rations here in the States were almost the complete opposite of your rations there. Um, yes, yes. But, uh, and it was like um, retaining the fun of cooking. That was the whole mm. thing. And so mm. I did a rations experiment back in June. I saw it. And I saw it. I watched it. <laughs> it was very harrowing, I will tell you. But, um, uh, and there were people that were like, this is ridiculous. You're making fun of the stuff that they were going through. And like, actually not, you know, there were actually, cooking has always been, and food has always been a creative outlet for people. And eating has always been fun, right? So, absolutely. And they, absolutely. And they were the same people. They People back then were the same as we are now. And they wanted to still retain the good parts of their life as much as they could, even though they were in the midst yes. of hardship. So, mm. yeah. I don't know why people get so um, uh, upset, frustrated, um, oh, I hate this word, but triggered by um, by by content creators bringing forward really incredible pieces of history mm -hmm. Um like we're glorify, like you said, the word yeah. glorifying it, mm -hmm. or even like, um, sort of making light of it. Minimize we're absolutely it. Yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, we the great are, thing. Mm. I think it's because they don't. They just skim over the top of our content. They don't. It's it probably doesn't really. Uh, and I would say you can tell by their comments that they aren't very informed, right? So yeah. this isn't a subject that that engages a lot of their emotional and cognitive energy. So they yes. just sort of skim over it and, um, you know, they're not, they're not looking at it deeply enough to hear us say we're honoring those people who went through hardship and we admire them and we see them as role models, right? They're just looking at it from the surface. And also I think, don't you think some of those comments people just want to make trouble <laughs> you said it best Diane <laughs> honestly I I read some of them and I'm like you want me to react mm -hmm, don't you you want me mm -hmm. to get on my high horse and yes. like make a whole video yes. where I'm backlashing at yes. you it's not gonna happen yes right it's not exactly. gonna happen exactly it's been although the idea that somebody has left you a, a nasty comment I'm just like give me their names <laughs> give, nobody hurts our internet Nana nobody not on my watch not on my watch I get <laughs> very very few very few. And I will tell you something that's really interesting. You know, yes. this is a whole nother subject, but um, you know who probably 98% of the hateful comments I get are from? It's from one demographic. No, who? Old white ladies. Like my peers. <laughs> really? Yep. Really? Yep. And I had such a hard time figuring it out. But I think I've kind of got it. I think, you know, back when I was a kid, I was kind of a little weirdo. I'm sure that shocks you, right? But, <laughs> and other girls were very unkind, as other teenage girls are wont to be, right? And I think that a lot of the time, those girls are very invested. You can cut all of this if you want. But they're very invested in the social I construct, the way things are. And so it... It serves them. It makes them feel more in to push other people out, right? Yes. And yes. so, and so, what they'll do is they'll push other people out. They'll be very clear on you're not okay. I'm, I'm on in the in crowd, right? And 
they're still doing that, right? So those those old white ladies are still telling me, you're not doing life right. You're not doing it right. You need to, you know, cut your hair and color it, and you need to be wearing leggings and tunic tops and, you know, that kind of thing. And I think what really gets them, because I've had this, when I was at school, you know, you had the popular girls that I just did not fit into because like like you, which I swear were kindred spirits, it, it's okay. It's may, It may shock you. I was a bit of an odd bod as well. <laughs> um, that's why I think we're kindred spirits. And I struggled with some um, girls being girls and trying to work out the hierarchy. And it still happens now. But what really gets them, what really annoys them is when they see you having unbridled joy yeah. from what you're doing. And then God forbid you get recognition for doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. They hate yeah. that. That yeah. would be, that. that's the worst for them. Yeah, that, I, I think that's very true. And I think a lot of the ones that come, not obviously not all, but the ones that comment nasty comments to me are very unhappy people. And I think it kind yes. of, it, it's kind of upsetting or using like that we're triggering that I don't care for either mm. to them to be like, okay, I, I imagine their thought is like, I've done everything by the rules. I've done all the things that are supposed to make me beautiful and socially acceptable. And I'm unhappy, right? And yet here comes this fat, glorpy lady who wears outdated clothes and, and doesn't have a man, right? All those things. And yet she's happy. And, and I think it, it kind of rankles them a little. You know, I'm sure it's upsetting to feel like you're getting to the end of your life and you're not happy and trying to figure it all out. And then you see somebody else who's happy. Done that. Exactly. And and like my mum, she's she's never married. Um, and we, we live in this in this beautiful uh, 40s inspired house together. Um, and when I move in with with my partner, Jack, she will stay living in this beautiful 40s house for as long as she wants to. And she, like you, she's just cracked it. She's just cracked that key to happiness, which is doing you do you absolutely. and don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That is absolutely it. It's not the vintage. It's the being yourself. Absolutely. And and speaking of the incredible recognition that you have got, which is probably annoying quite a few uh, Karens out there, um, what what made you start a social media account? What made you find TikTok? And, and, and then, you know, because you've, you've blown up, missus. You're doing very well. You know, you're almost at a million on TikTok. That's incredible. And um, what, what, how did you find it? Um, it's kind of funny because I've been on Instagram for, oh my gosh, 10 years, maybe, maybe longer. And I had very small account. It was just like a typical, you know, very small account. And, um, back in June of 2020, I hit, I think it was a thousand followers, one, 1000 followers. Right. And so I jokingly like, you know, it's just having fun at at my own expense. We're like, Oh boy, I finally hit three digits. Yay. I'm so, or four (laughs) digits, you know, and this is the big time. I want to thank all my followers, you know, that kind of a thing, right. Making fun (laughs) of myself and my microscopic following. And, um, so a friend of mine, whose husband is a big YouTuber, oh. messaged me and she said, you know, I know you were joking, but I really think you could 
make. You could do really well on social media. And um, so she said, so she challenged me to go to TikTok and make, she said a video every day for a couple months. But I said, there's no way I'm going to do a video every day. So she said, we, we came on five days a week. So I do a video five days a week for a couple months, right? So I did my first video and it was just a, like a, you know, it was a, a jar of lemonade on the front porch. And it was just like taking a video of that and like the wind was blowing. So very low effort video, right? Mm. And uh, that got maybe, I think it got 253 views and I was ecstatic. Mm. Okay. I thought, <laughs> oh, that is so cool, right? Well, then the next day, that evening, I was like, oh, crap, I've got to do a video for tomorrow, right? Noah was taking me out for ice cream. I was sitting in the front seat of his truck and he had run into the house to get something. And I was like, okay, I'm scrambling through my, through my uh, photos. Right. And, and I had a video of my hairstyling that I had accidentally shot in time-lapse. And um, so I put that up, did a voiceover sitting in the front seat of the car, which if you go back and listen to that, you can hear the car radio in the background and then at the very end of it, you can hear the screen door shutting. Noah coming out and the oh. screen door slamming, right? So anyway, so I put that video up. And it just, I mean, it got millions of views. So, wow. yeah. And wow. it was just, I was just like, first I was like in a complete panic, right? I don't know. It's its a weird feeling when something goes, I, which you've experienced with your penny adventures, I'm sure. It's mm. just, it's impossible to describe that overwhelming feeling that comes over you, right? And so I didn't, I actually didn't put any videos up after that for maybe a week or so. And did it scare you off a little did, bit? It did scare me. But um, but then I jumped back on, you know, jumped back on the bike. And, and, um, and of course, that gave me a boost. I mean, that gave me like 50,000 followers or something right from the start. So that, that little sketchy video that I put up in five yeah. minutes was... And why do you think... Um, you are so popular on social media. You know, what do you think it is you're offering people where they're like, oh my gosh, give me more? I don't know. I, you know what? I don't know. And the other thing is, I, 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 although I do have something to say about that, but the second thing is, I have no idea when I put a video up, I, the ones that I think, oh, this one is, this is going to die on the vine. Those sometimes do very well. And the ones I think, ah, this one's going to hit it, you know? They don't. So I can never tell. Never tell. The ones where I'm like, I put my heart, my soul, this yes. twist is tight. This is going to do so well. I can feel it. Nothing. Right. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Wait a minute yes. now. <laughs> I have no strategy. Nobody knows what they're doing on this app, yeah. Diane. I'll yeah. tell you that now. Nobody knows. <laughs> I don't know. Because like you said, I can no. pour my heart and soul into something, take 47,000 different camera angles and take an hour and a half worth of footage and whittle it down to 90 seconds and and it'll get, you know, it'll... And then and then the ones where you're like, oh, I'm just going to do that quickly because I just haven't posted. I better mm -hmm. just give them something. Yep, and then yep, boom, yep, it's yep. like, how the hell, why did that do so I well? Know. I didn't even try with that yeah. one. It's bizarre. Kills I me. mean, with your content... Let me tell you, I'll tell you why you're doing so well. 
because you, you, you're far too humble, honestly. I, I Your content, um, I think it really does something for people where it gets them right in, in their soul. Oh. And um, it taps into um, a level of safety and comfort that in this modern world, which is so noisy and complicated, I think people are yearning for. Um I mean, do do you feel that people are yearning for, I mean, is it that people are yearning for the past? Is it that people are yearning for safety, nostalgia, comfort? Safety and comfort. I, I would say, I would say from my, from, I will tell you one thing. When I started doing my videos, my assumption was that I was just going to be doing like plus size vintage fashion, you know, vintage housewares, that kind of thing. Right. And the comments that I got over and over again that broke my heart were so many people saying, no one's ever talked to me like that. I didn't know people were really like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's when I might cry about this, but that's when it hit me and I was like, there's not a lot I can do. Right. I live a very quiet life. I'm at, you know, and there's not a lot I can do to make the world a better place. But I can be kind. I I can I can be kind. And so that's what fuels me are those people that say, you know, or people that are like, you know, I have nobody. I have nobody to talk to. I have nobody that encourages me. So many people, so many people. And, and there's an epidemic too, I think, of grandparents and parents cutting off their young people that are choosing to live different lifestyles, or I shouldn't even say, that are living their reality, at which the grandparents and parents find difficult in some way. And so they're cutting off, I, it just boggles my mind, but they're cutting them off and these poor young folks are left to drift. I agree. I mean, like there was a. There, I always find it interesting when you know the you know the saying, um, "Blood is thicker than water." Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think that means blood, as in family, is 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 the most is paramount, is the most important. But what it actually means is the blood you shed on the battlefield with your brothers in arms is thicker than the water of the womb. So wow. actually, it means it means that the people you choose, yeah, it's the opposite what people think. It's the people you choose to be in your life that can sometimes be the most important because like you said, sometimes family lets you down. Biological family lets you down because they, they're not accepting of you living in your authentic life and your authentic truth. And no wonder when you feel in such a lonely space do they see your face and and they must they must just feel at home because that's what you do Diane you make people feel like they've come home oh thank you so much <laughs> it's invaluable so it's invaluable instinct so i appreciate that Hannah greatly it 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 really is true i mean I don't because i think there is a there's a certain rise at the moment of i don't know if you would term yourself as this but are you a, you're not you're not a character but you know comfort characters or com- comforting people you're you're a, you're a comfort person i think for a lot of people where they they go to your content to to feel you know to feel comforted and um you do you do that so brilliantly i mean it, like you say you never intended you didn't set out no, to do I that didn't. you were set out for fashion and yeah. fashion and homeware yeah, right exactly exactly and it was just and now i feel like the fashion and homeware it 
it's a big part of it's part of the whole package but i feel like that's more of like a supporting thing right yes yeah 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 a supporting actor but the main event i think is is what you offer people in here which and you you genuinely do it beautifully well, i mean because a lot of people are uh, you're well you are more than welcome because I, I think a lot of people are facing real challenges in in the modern world i mean what what challenges do you think i mean from the from the without obviously you don't have to say any of the messages from the messages you get from from um you know knowing young people yourself what challenges do you think they are facing now that maybe we haven't come across before i think there is so much pressure on young people and there is no respite like when I was growing up, you know, there were the bullies at school and my parents put pressures of various kinds on me and things like that. But there was always respite from it. You know, the vast majority of your life, like when you're alone in your bedroom or you're whatever, reading books or even when you were in class, you know, those were periods of respite from all this pressure. But now because of social media and because of the intensity of life, Young folks get absolutely no respite. And if their parents are not supportive, if their grandparents or parents are rejecting them for one reason or another, then they have nobody and they have no, you know, there's no relief. And I think they don't even realize fully because it's all they've known. That's so sad. I think you're right. I mean, I... um. I mean, even I put like so much pressure on myself, like so much pressure because, you know, if I if I want to compare myself to somebody, I can just do it instantly by looking right. on my phone exactly. and I can see who's doing better and who's more successful. And, and you know, like 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 those those older women who watch you and, and you know, they, they, they leave those comments. They're doing the same. We're all comparing ourselves to each other, forgetting that we're all on an individual journey yes, and it's not a race. Exactly. But young people are growing up with social media, growing up with apps. There's an app for everything now. And I think it's disconnecting people from from community. I think I mean, it's people disconnecting are... them from themselves, honestly. And what do you mean by that? Um, all right, let me try and articulate. I'll, I'll explain by saying I took a week off social media between Christmas and New Year's. And... Yeah. <clears throat> Barely even picked up my phone, okay? And in that time, I could feel like my brain relaxing and my, oh, my whole body relaxing. And I was drawn to all the little things I love. And um, young people don't have that. They don't have that, you know, there's no... They always have that pressure on them. I don't know. I'm not being very articulate. But they, they because if you always have somebody in your face saying, this is somebody who's doing it better. This is some girl who does makeup better than you. This is some girl who's got a better body than you. This is some girl who's got better clothes than you, more money to spend, whatever, right? Then you're never really able to, you're always looking at that and feeling your lack. Or conversely, like if you look at people that, you're good at makeup and they're not as good as you. You're always putting yourself in this, you know, continuing. You're never yes. able to be like, oh, you know, this is this is what I really enjoy. This is what I'm good at, you know, regardless of how you compare in that whole continuum. In looking to 
other people all the time and and looking at social media you, you're never looking inward you're never looking at yourself so you're not you're not appreciating what you've achieved right. and you're never going oh well done right. you've done good there and i think it's, and you are forgetting what makes you joyful absolutely. yeah and i think it's part of the human condition to always be like when you're in fourth grade and you're in a classroom you're looking at all the other kids and you're you're placing yourself in well okay i'm I'm probably smarter than these kids, but I'm not as smart as these kids. I'm prettier than these girls, but I'm not as pretty as that girl, right? So that's part of the human condition. But it's one thing when you're doing it with 30 kids that you know, right? And you're like, yeah, she might be prettier than me, but her dad's a drunk, right? You know what I mean? So you're able to, you know, and I say that as somebody whose grandfather was an alcoholic, I don't say drunk as I'm putting them down. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, you, you were able to do it and do it within the context of reality, right? And social media is not reality. So no. you're placing I have to tell on myself the continuum that. of, you know, Absolutely. I have to keep reminding myself that it isn't like that. Like you said, that everything comes with context. Like, you know, just because someone's successful in one area, they could be having a really bad time at home. You just you just don't know. And I think we're in a world now where are we just living like like by like? Like sometimes I feel like I'm just looking at videos and just like and I'm judging my own success and and my own self-worth by how well content has or hasn't done which is so silly I feel like going mm, to myself it's so but I, hard though what? Hannah and I um I fall into that myself and that's actually what I've this after taking that week off I had not taken a single day off in almost three years from social media whoa yeah I had not taken a single day off even though I take my weekends off during the weekends, I was either editing or writing voiceovers or, you know, all that, you know, all the stuff that goes into it. To, and, and I'm a boomer, so I'm slow. So to make a one and a half minute video, it costs, it takes me 10 or 20 hours, right? So yeah. um, I had not taken a single day off. And then I took that, that week off. And I was like, yeah, this is what I, I, I realized how much pressure I've been putting myself under and how I was not allowing myself to do that, just living my life, my true life, right? And so I've switched. I used to do five videos a week. Now I'm doing two videos a week. Last week I just did one. But, you know, but I'm just focusing on making really good videos and not putting myself under that pressure of, which I'm sure you know, like, oh my God, I've got to put something up tomorrow. What the heck am I going to do, <laughs> right? I'm not that pressure. Absolutely. I'm relieving myself 100% from that. So I'm going to take a slice of that and, 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 apply it to myself because like these podcasts yeah these are these are wonderful chances for people to connect but if I take nothing from them then what were they ever for and I'm going to take a slice of that for myself because I do panic I get I get creative fatigue I get burnout yes. and um and I and I feel pressure yes. I feel pressured to not put videos out because people enjoy it and I'm thinking and sometimes I think what am I doing this for anymore it's gotten like with you you've gotten so big now I bet like thinking back to that first video in the car where you were doing a voiceover, I bet that feels like a million miles away now because now you're almost at a million. And 
Well, I, you know what? Actually, I was talking to my daughter. My daughter does a lot of the back end stuff. That's the thing people don't understand either. Like at one point before I did any ads or anything, I was like, this is costing me money to do this, this Instagram. And people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. How does it cost you money? But once you get to a certain size, you can't manage all of that back end stuff. You can't. And, and at least I can't. I'm sure there are wonderful young folks with with more elastic minds than mine that can but you know what i've discovered and i discovered this early on when i started taking weekends when i took weekends off is that's like the opposite of what they tell you know at least back then back at that point that was when they were saying you should be putting up two videos two or three videos a day on tiktok you should never you know and so but i never found that it cost me or it, it it impacted my reach or any of that kind of stuff taking those two days off right every week really yep. never impacted at all and now that I have concentrated on producing quality videos and fewer of them those video I'm still getting the same amount of views per like week yep but those videos are getting more views and more more interaction and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I if I were to give anybody advice, I would say find the place where you are comfortable, okay? Yeah. Find it and don't seek, don't be like, oh, this person says you have to do this many this um, of this a week and you have to do that. Just find where you're comfortable because that's where your creativity is going to sing. And where you're going to be able to produce the quality content and quality content is, that's the name of the game, right? And did you, did you find it, um, I mean, you mentioned a little bit like getting your head around the tech. So um, has it been easy, um, a vintage gal like yourself um, using a very modern app like TikTok? Like, you know, how, how is, how is the editing life? Do you sleep or no? <laughs> <laughs> I actually love the editing. And yeah. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of old people that do crossword puzzles and that kind of thing. This is my, this is my crossword puzzle, right? To keep my brain I love functioning. That. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I am slow at it. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure, you know, like when Vinti comes to visit me and he's like, let's sit down on the porch and cut videos. And I'm like, okay. And so he'll be, he'll do his video in, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. He'll be done. And yeah. I'll be, I'll still be, you know, like in the very early processes. So, yeah, but I'm happy I can do it, you know. Absolutely. And I think you're right. I think it's just knowing when you when you need to maybe take a breather from it to revisit that creative space where you feel like you're, um, you know, vitalized enough to keep producing, you know, quality content. And your content like touches on quite a few things that I find interesting. Um the idea of self-sufficiency, which I'm a big advocate for, and also the idea of, well, let's start with that. I mean, do you have any tips or tricks of how people can be more self-sufficient at home? I try to um, use what I have instead of buying. That's what I, that's yeah. the most, that's I think the biggest thing. And things, things can be used in so many different ways, like a mason jar can be used you know, instead of Tupperware and a mason jar can be used instead of a vase. You know, if you look at, you know, whatever you've got, you know, so I would love Absolutely. to get rid of all the plastic in my house, but that's an ongoing endeavor. 
Oh, I agree. If I ever do buy anything on Amazon, it just breaks my heart how much packaging is around the bloody right? item I've bought. And all the plastic <laughs> bubbles and everything inside. Yes. To protect Calm down, Amazon. It's not even breakable, right? Yes, exactly. And it'll be this big. Yes. I don't understand it at all. Yes. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yes, it doesn't make absolutely. any sense to me. I ordered a, a charging thing for my Kindle and it came yeah. in, uh, you know, the box was like literally this big, but it came in a box like this big. With all this plastic yeah. bubbles inside of it. Amazon yeah. needs to chill. They need to just relax. Yeah. And another thing about your content that I love is another thing that you 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 sort of um, you might you might not realize you're teaching it, but I think you are. Is ways in which people can find happiness and peace in solitude, and happiness and peace in being alone um, and with their own company. And we, you've touched on this a little bit, you know, finding peace with yourself. But for anybody out there who might be struggling to get comfortable with themselves and find happiness and peace, irrespective of everybody else out there in that noisy, bloody world, would you have any pieces of advice, pearls of wisdom for them that might help them start that journey? I think that the secret to peace is appreciate and this is so trite okay I've already come out of my mouth and I was like I'm sure people are gonna roll their eyes but it's appreciating what you have right and even in like I remember back in my really hard years when my kids were very young and uh, just marriage had just disintegrated and I was left with a house full of kids and I had to go I worked in a very demanding job and I can remember sitting in my car with my paper cup of coffee before going into work, right? And having my sit and stir time where I, I can, I remember one day when the rain was coming down and just watching the raindrops come down on the windshield of my car and having my warm cup of coffee. And that, it, you know, that gave me enough beauty to hold on to and to sustain me through that day. Wow. You know, and... So now it's easy. Now I have hours of time and I'm surrounded by beautiful things I love and all that. But I hearken back to that. Those tough years were my learning years, right? So, yes. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. I, my sit and stare time, because I love the sit and stare time concept. I've always loved that, is uh, when I let my pigeons out and I just oh. sit and stare and, and watch them fly. And that's a real moment of of peace for me and I don't think people do sit and stare enough well we do sit and stare we sit and stare at our bloody phones yeah far too much yeah I think I think people a lot of the time like people will often say oh I've done this for years and what they but what they do I think is what I and I used to do it too like you've got all this demanding stuff ahead in your day right and so you're sitting with your coffee and you're just taking that moment but you're doing it just almost out of a feeling of desperation like I, I'm taking this, you know, I, I'm taking a few minutes before I have to go face all that. But instead of doing that, instead of celebrating that moment, instead of feeling like this is desperation, I'm just holding tight to it. Just being like, okay, I'm going to notice the beauty. I'm going to notice the cup. I'm going to, you know what I mean? It changes everything and it changes your whole mindset to one where you are looking for the beauty that's around you, looking for the calmness that's in yourself, right? Yeah. It's a very mindful way of living, isn't it? So it's like, it's like you're re-anchoring and you're rooting back into the here and now, which, which you know, people don't do 
you know, as much. And I don't mean the here and now as in people who are living like it's the past. I don't mean like as in present, past and future. I mean, right here and now, like the senses and, 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 and like, you know, because I, I have anxiety and I, I can get very panicked and right. sometimes yeah just remembering where I am and what's around me and taking mm-hmm. that moment can do you grounded. the world of good and yes. also when you're looking for the beauty right you're not because it's easy to have that feeling of like impending doom like you know right and so when you take and you consciously gently but consciously allow yourself direct yourself to focus on positive things you know, like beautiful things that are around you, something that you're looking forward to, you know, things like that, then, you know, it's, it's, it's such a gift to yourself, right? Do you think there is enough? Do, we, do you think we gift ourselves enough? What, I oh mean, what's, God, do you no. think we have self-care? No, no, I don't think so. And that's another shocking thing to me, too, that I've discovered, is that people don't, it's like a revelation to people to even take a few minutes for yourself you know yeah it's true what you're doing is controversial it so shouldn't be but it is you're you're you know I think that's why you know I mean many reasons many many reasons but one one of the reasons you've been so successful is because you are personifying what is severely lacking in this world which is just taking it at a steadier pace taking life at a steadier pace and appreciating and feeling grateful for what is literally around you not what you're going to aspire to be not focusing on what's already been and gone but just being thankful for today's cup of coffee mm-hmm. right it's it's inspirational diane it's inspirational for people Thank you so much you're so kind <laughs> it's true I'm only speaking on behalf of the 900,000 people that follow you because I know they'd all want to say this to you. You are, you need to be protected at all costs because you are just, I love that when the the young folks say that. That's so cute when you say that. But you deserve it because you bring such value to people's Mm -hmm. lives and you'll never meet half of them. You'll never meet any of them really, to be honest. Yeah. And it's so it's so important because it is a noisy, complicated world, and I think mm-hmm. things are getting harder are. for younger people. I mean, I mean, this is a controversial question. I don't think it has a, a very mm-hmm. simple answer, but I am asking it in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you think the modern world makes people depressed? Yeah, I think it does. I think that we've gotten so, and I'm not one of those people. I'm not like a luddite saying, you know, social media is inherently evil, and we should, you know, that's not my message at all. Mm. But I do think that I pity, I feel bad, I feel compassion for young folks who that is so much of their world, right? Their yeah. phone is so much of their world and social media is so much of their world. And that's that's not on them. I don't blame them. I blame I blame my generation, right? For why? Because we are the ones that set this fire wheel in motion, right? Without putting, you know, and having the greed, okay, to not put any protective guardrails in place. Mm-hmm. I think my generation has a lot to answer for. And I think my generation has created the mess. They wanted to increase their own power and wealth. And so they haven't set those guardrails in place that would protect 
the young people that are coming up. Do you think the generational divide is wider than when you were younger and you looked up to people who were older than you? Do you think the gap is wider now? Do you think we're struggling to relate to each other more? Are we fighting more? Are we not getting along as much? I mean, compared to maybe when you were a teen. That is not my experience whatsoever. No. No, not whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I find you, you give young people the tiniest little nugget of tiniest little crumb of kindness and they just like uh, I'll give you an example I was out heading out yesterday and my garland over my front door was sagging down and of course I'm five foot tall and I couldn't reach it right and there was two boys are you five foot yeah I'm I'm short Oh, I'm you sure. are so sweet. I am literally like a little, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. That's my song. <laughs> Brilliant. That's just, oh my God. I, that's giving me such joy knowing that information. Just if like, we ever meet, my little teapot see. Diane. Yep, that's me. But, you know, and there were two boys walking by, kind of rough looking boys. And I said, I said, boys, could one of you help me? And um, of course, they were the sweetest. They, they, they were like they jumped over themselves to come up and fix my little garland on the porch. And then when they left, they were like, have a nice day, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you could tell, and they were just, they were happy. They were happier having extended that kindness to me, right? And I find that almost, like I said, the meanies are the old ladies for for me, which, of course, that's not a generational thing. That's... Well, maybe that's what's perpetuating this notion that uh, that m- maybe I had that that like generations aren't getting along as much as they they used to, and maybe the generational gap is wider than it's ever been before. But maybe that's because um, I'm seeing the parts of it where there's anger, and not the parts yeah. of it where there's beautiful relationships being forged. I mean, I I've had many inter intergeneral um, intergenerational uh, friendships in my life. My grandpa was my best friend. Um, and uh, I was also very, very, very good friends with this with this chap called Vic. He was um, he was in his nineties, and he'd like he'd like served on the Dunkirk beaches. Oh, we were really good wow. friends. We used to meet up. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And um, I and and Rosa, who sold me this house, you know, she was in her nineties, and I've never found it um, to be a challenge to relate to somebody that was not of the same time as me. And I I agree with you. I don't think young pe- people my age and younger. I don't think we do find it difficult. I think there's other people perpetuating that that we're all warring and that we, we don't like each other when actually that might not be the case. Yeah, I will say this. I did a post and I had gotten a lot of messages from women my age, kind message. And they were like, oh, what would advice would you have for somebody who wanted to start doing social media, right? So I did a post. And one of the things I said was, as an, and I was speaking as an older person, like you cannot, times have changed. And you cannot expect to be treated with respect just on the virtue of your age, for the most part. That's not, that's just, you have to accept that you give respect, you get respect. It's not going to just come at you. You can't treat these young people like dirt and then expect them to respect you just because you're older. That's not the way the world works anymore, right? Oh my God. Oh, wow. They were so angry. But because back when I was young, Mm. That was the way it was. You treated older people with yes. respect unfailingly, no matter how awful they yes. were. Yes. Right? But that is not the world. So I think these people 
these other people, they're like, well, this is not fair. I treated awful old people with respect when I was young. Why won't they treat me with respect now? Yeah, you know, and yeah. It's just, it's a change. So that might be part yeah. of it that, that some older people are expecting a level of respect mm-hmm. because they delivered that to older people when they were young. So they expect it yeah. now. And when it doesn't come back, they lash out. Well, that's what I love about you because to say, you know, you, you've got this beautiful vintage vibe um, and this is a hashtag that's very overused. You certainly don't have those vintage values. You are so open and you're so progressive. Um, do you find that people don't assume that of you because of the way you dress? Do you think they're going to think you're, you know, you're a bit stiff up a, up a lip and, um, and then you I kind of maybe surprise them? To. They used to. And like when they, some people are like when they see a Black Lives Matter thing or something like that. They will get angry and upset and and like be like all huffy and post about how they're gonna unfollow me and I'm like bye. <laughs> I get the yeah. same thing, yeah. you know. If Especially I start you. talking about LGBTQ, um, you know, I think I I I think people assume that I'm you know uh, very like you know Britain first mm-hmm. and all this because mm-hmm. I I I'm I'm a British girl, I'm a white girl, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about the 1940s right. and I think. Um, but the thing is, we don't want those kind of people in our following because it's not the right space exactly. for them anyway. So, you know, happy. they just need to move yeah, on. Yeah, that's what I've said. I've commented back and I've just been like, in fact, I did a video on it. And I said, you know what? If you want to unfollow me, that's fine. I encourage you to unfollow me because you're not going to be happy here. I don't get so much people who expect me to be a certain way, but I do get a very large older white lady population who are like, why can't you just leave all that aside? Why can't you just be the, you know, post all the good feeling stuff and not post that stuff? And I'm like, because I don't want to. Absolutely. And wouldn't our lives be easier if we were just the touchy feely stuff? But you know what, when you're gifted a platform as large as ours, I mean, yours is it's just growing so you know wonderfully exponentially since you started. How can we not talk? We're not just we're not one faceted. We're not just weird vintage women. Right. And I right. think people just I, I think followers are very much like, just give me that. Yeah. That's all yep. I came yep. That's all I, I get that. That one part of you. Yep. And I'll yeah, and I'll give that to you. You can have that, but forgive me. I'm a well, I'm a fully rounded person as well, and I have views and I have feelings, and you know, it's not just weird vintage girl. And don't you, know. you feel like it's a responsibility? Having a larger platform is a responsibility, and it's a responsibility. You have the responsibility to use that to speak truth mm-hmm. to people who might not want to receive it. Massively massively because if we're not going to speak up with the size of our following how can we expect right. anybody else right. to exactly well i'll just i'll just um close with one with one question for you Diane, that i've been dying to ask so um and you've kind of answered it a little bit there because i agree i think in social media we gatekeep a lot of things and we don't like really connect with each other as content creators and that's why i'm so excited to do this podcast because it's not just nice to see your beautiful face, that gorgeous smile and have a nice chat and a cuppa. It's actually nice for me and my sanity to connect with people doing a similar thing and who are on a similar journey. Because I, I think we're all on a, Social media is a lonely world, weirdly. It it's is. a lonely world mm-hmm. when you're a content creator because you're yeah. doing all that content by yourself usually, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Like a lot of people will say, what does it feel like to have, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like anything because I'm here in the house and my life is... <laughs> unchanged 
Yes. You know? I, and, and that's a good thing. You know, yes. I'm not, I'm not complaining, but still it's not like, it's not like I'm having interactions, real, real time interactions with all these people. Absolutely. I'm so, just spending a Saturday afternoon, you know, making a cup of tea on camera. It's not changed yeah. my life at all. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, and it's hard yeah. too, because this, there's this mistaken idea among content mm. creatives that we're, we're like in competition with each other, right? Yeah. But in reality, we're we it's like a tree. You know, it's not it's not like two sticks parallel, right? That we're competing against. It's like a tree and the more connections and branches we make, the better. You know, Absolutely. social media. Yeah. It's not like if they watch your video mm. that they're not going to watch my video, right? Exactly. Exactly. I had a guy at work. And he was like, oh, um, oh, I think there's this girl on Instagram copying you because she's vintage and she owns a pigeon and, and like, you know, she's all into 40s and 50s fashion. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, her name's Becca. She's an ambassador for Penny's Pigeon Aid and I'm having her on the podcast. And he was like, oh, I was like, yeah, we're not we're not in competition here. We're connecting. Right, it's right, wonderful. Right. It's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why. And there's it's it's a it's a. It's a growth process, I think, yeah. and, and many content creators are still in that competition mindset. Yeah. And, it's not healthy uh, and it's not worth it. And it's not, it's not truth either because the more, if they watch your video, then they're more likely to watch my video and vice versa. And if you're, they watch your friend Becca's videos, then they're more likely to watch your videos. Absolutely. So, yeah. That little sick pigeon chose you, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, how many people would have been like, oh, yeah, even most people would have been like, ew, gross. Okay. Yeah. But how many people, even kind people, would have done what you did? Right. And I think it just those little things like that, those little momentary choices that people make. Yeah. Like that was just a choice you made in the minutia of your life. It and really was. Tells, it tells your character. You know, so many people have pointed out that that what I did for Penny, um, like in, in these podcast interviews, and it means so much to them because, um, it, like you say, it's like you said it. You said it best about just being kind. If there's one thing we can do on this earth, it's be it's to be kind. And right. one of my favorite quotes is, "No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted." Mm-hmm. And she changed good. she changed my life. That little pigeon, and it's just it's just wonderful to. Uh, to connect mm-hmm. with somebody on on that same sort of wavelength as me, mm-hmm. so so thank you so much. You've been an absolute a, a dream, and and I, yeah. I just I just adore you. I just think you're bloody wonderful. Well, I, I adore you. And what is yeah. next for Diane on your social media journey? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about maybe getting a bit of an affiliate group together, which sat with other content creators, which mm-hmm. is so wonderful to connect. And mm-hmm. is have you got any particular goals for your channel? Just maybe personal goals that you'd like to like to achieve. I am very weird in that way because, you know, I actually had a lot of book companies, very large book publishers reach out to me uh, like last year about doing a book. And I thought about it and I'm like, you know what, that's I no. So and I turned them down, you know, so it's not like. You know, I'm. I, it's. I would be different if I was like your age. You know, yeah. and I was going to make this into a career and all that kind of thing. But that's that's not me. I I want to be able to continue to create content, but also keep. Oh, oh, you're kidding! I told oh, you I'd get it. So like, 
I'm so glad you did. Looks like my Monroe, but without the oh. without the birthmark. Oh. But, Sorry, yeah. So it's it's different. I think it's a different thing for me at my stage of life. It's just I want to be able to continue creating content, mm. but I also want to have my peace, you know. And I'm not willing to sacrifice my peace to have any. I'm not, you know. I don't want to have a. I don't want to have a big empire. I don't even, I want to get to that million on TikTok just because I want it, right? Yeah. But I don't even really care if I grow that much anymore. I'm in a nice place, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and long may you stay there and long may <laughs> Chubby Vintage Nana content reign and you'll hit that million. I know you will. I, I hope so. Oh, Only you will. Away. Exactly. Come on, everybody. We can do it. Get Chubby Vintage <laughs> Nana to a million. Yes. Um, Diane, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. Um, thank you so, so very much.